Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tops of the Morning. I'm your host, Richard Tipton, and join me is my co-host, Jeremy Humphreys. How are we doing, Jeremy? I am doing great, Richard. I'm so excited about today's topic. Well, before we jump into today's topic, got a little got a little feedback from some of our listeners that we needed to throw in a little bit more humor, and math teacher and me just sort of had to go this direction, but Jeremy, why do you think math books are so sad? I love humor. Um, gosh, I don't know. Why are math books so sad, Richard? Just because they're filled with so many problems that they can't solve <laughs> on their own. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, I'm, a, I'm an ex-math teacher, too, so I love that. It's fantastic. <laughs> I also do dad jokes on my weekly announcements, too. So <laughs> we'll tie the, love it. We'll tie the theme together then. Well, don't right. worry, folks. Today, unlike those math books, we're here to help you solve these problems, to balance an online school and structure that for you and your students and have your families hopefully bring a balance to that. Today's focus will be helping students juggle their academics, their extracurricular activities, their personal lives in this flexible yet demanding online environment. Let's start by addressing a question that a lot of people have about online schooling. How do we manage attendance in our online school? Yeah, no, that's a great question because that's always our number one question we get, um, whether it's prospective students and families or current students and families. There's always some miscommunication or um, misunderstandings of exactly how TOPS does attendance. And the big thing for us, we do attendance based on submitting assignments by the due date. So it's a lot different, you know, in an in-person or traditional brick and mortar school, you know, attendance is basically sitting in a classroom, right? So we take that and we want to focus on the students' work that they're submitting and we want to make sure they are submitting quality work. And, but we also want to value the, the work and assignments and the time they were putting in those assignments. So we always do our attendance based on submitting assignments by the due date. And I think that's very beneficial. If you have a student that can be accelerated or really flies through things, top structure really can benefit a student who works fast or gets that quality work done quickly. Our, our main goal is learning the material and demonstrating that you've mastered that. And that's our attendance policy and structure is really set up for that. So if a student is learning the material, can complete the work, can show the objectives, we're considering that present. And it's not just because they sit in the seat for 90 minutes. And I think that's a big differentiation over how a lot of typical public schools work. We have an estimation on how long that should take you. And we want to gear that towards a typical day, but we're not mandating people's sitting in the seat for a certain amount of seat time. Our big understanding is, you know, the information and you can demonstrate that information. Yeah, correct. And, you know, we, we value, you know, we can see when students log in, you know, we can see how much time they're spending on specific things. We can see what work they're turning in. And we can also, you know, we have live classes and OK5 is a little more live based than six, seven, eight, right? High school, we don't have any live classes, but those are all things that we use in addition to um, and to look at student progress. But again, the main attendance thing that we look at is submitting the assignments on time. Now, if a student is slower at working and really struggling with that, what would you recommend as throughout the week? What's a good way of communicating that to your teacher and, and working through that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to for the student to get in and family to get into Canvas as soon as possible. You know, our, for middle and high school, our assignments open on Saturday and they're due by Friday. So um, if the, the sooner the students can get in there and kind of see what's expected for the week, you know, we don't 
ask students and families to work over the weekend. You don't have to, but some students love to do that, right? They love to get in there, get to work as soon as possible. Some will wait till Monday morning. Some will work on or start looking Sunday night, right, to see what the, what's scheduled for the week. But the sooner they can get in there and see kind of what's expected and then get in and, and start working, right? That's the thing. You start realizing, oh, this is not going to take, It's this is going to take me a lot longer. And as soon as they realize that, right, communicate with the teacher. Say, hey, I, I'm struggling here. Um, you know, can we meet? Can, can I come to your office hours, right? Office hours is a great opportunity for students to receive one-on-one help or just immediate assistance with whatever they're dealing with, right? So the sooner the student can communicate, it gives the teacher more time to communicate back, but also just opens up the opportunities for um, there to be more communication from the student and the teacher. If a student's not performing well, and that leads us sort of into our truancy system, if this doesn't work and we don't have that communication, don't have the good um, structure in place for the student to be successful. How do we identify students who might be falling behind due to an attendance issue? And can you elaborate on our typical process for a top student when that's starting to happen and how we're communicating to parents and what those steps would look like? Sure. Yeah. Now, as a public school, you know, attendance is required, right? We have to keep up with attendance. And for us, it's a little different because we do attendance based by the week, right? So a student may be golden for a few weeks, but then they have one bad week. You know, maybe they were out of town. Maybe they had an emergency type situation that came up. And there's a variety of things that could come up in that with us. We've already had a few already this semester. But something comes up and they have a bad week and automatically, if they don't do anything for that particular week, that's five absences, right? If we don't hear anything. So, um, you know, that, that, that immediately jumps from tier one to tier two, which I'll talk about in a second. But, you know, if you're the best thing to do as soon as a, and just like an in-person school, right? If as soon as you find out something, please let us know. We're just it's much easier for teachers to. Um, get back with students and to um, talk with them about coming up with a plan, you know, okay, if they're going to be out this week, what can we do to for the students and families to give them a little grace, right? To give them a little assistance, um, whether that's maybe an exempting an assignment or something, or maybe, um, maybe meeting with that student later on, right? But the sooner the student and family can communicate in a situation like this, the better. So um, as far as tiered interventions now so basically the tiered intervention is based on you know unexcused absences right so we understand we still have excuse we still have unexcused absences like an in-person school would excuse you know you have maybe a doctor's note um maybe the student or family's going out of town maybe they're traveling maybe they're at somewhere they don't have internet activity anything like that right but again the best thing to do for that is to let us know but for the unexcused absences, those are the absences that we don't hear anything from the student or family. We don't know what's going on. Um, we're, we're in a tiered intervention plan. So basically, tier one is from zero to five. So usually at two to three unexcused absences, we let the student and family know, say, hey, you've got these absences. We really need to figure out what's going on. Here's what's here's what is happening. Right. Uh, we need to respond to this. We can't just continue to not do anything about it, right? And so that's the tier one intervention piece. And then once you get the five unexcused absences, that's going up to tier two. Um, and basically, we we try to set up a meeting and just talk, have a conversation, and what can the school do to help the student and family? Maybe they, you know, maybe they ha- are having issues with with the software. Maybe they're having some some type of technical issue, right? Maybe um, they're just struggling all together. So maybe we need to talk to a counselor. Maybe we need to um, figure out some technical support, right? And that's the whole point of that meeting. Um, 
And so we we sign a contract at that point. Say, hey, here's well, here's what you need to do. You know, you need to log on every day. You need to submit work every day. You need to um, talk to your teacher as soon as possible. Attend their office hours. All those different things um, that we try to come across. That we try to tell the student and family, hey, this is what we're going to try to do. Come up with a plan to prevent those absences, right? And the best thing, of course, as we already mentioned, is to communicate. So you know, if you're going to be out or if you're running behind, please, please let us know as soon as possible. And of course, once you get past 10 unexcused absences, then it started, gets, starts getting to more truancy, um, you know, where we've kind of followed what we need to, and then we have to take some other precautions after that. And I want our listeners to understand, I, you know, you always see Facebook posts and people arguing with things back and forth. And within this past week, this was a post that I'd saw was parents complaining about the truancy process. And this was just in public schools in general. And I felt like they really aligned the conversation just thinking it was all about money and that was the problem and and schools were just wanting money. And I want everyone to realize I didn't try to jump in and argue with people on Facebook. That's not my, I typically don't do that on Facebook. But Come on, that's the, not too bad. You yeah, that's, that. that's an hours of time that I don't want to put into something. But right. let's use this platform to try to be sure we've got everyone educated, maybe a resource for some other people. We do this because it's in Tennessee code annotated. This is a state law. And it's under the educational neglect. And under that code, it tells school systems, we starting in 21-22 school year, we have to have this progressive truancy plan in place. So this isn't just something our local districts have decided to do, our local courts. I mean, this isn't a small thing. This is a Tennessee state law of why we're doing this and why we have the program in place. So I just that's something I like to reiterate that I don't want people to feel like, oh, we're just trying to force kids to do this. No. This, the law looks at this. If you get past 10 days out, 15 days out at that point, the, vo- the law looks at that as neglect. And so that's yeah. where this comes from. And we, I just want everyone to realize that that's not just a, us trying to be sticklers to rules or anything like that. We're just trying to follow the laws that are given to us. So unless that changes, we have to follow that law. And we just want we just want students to come to school and learn, right? That's the biggest thing. We just want to ensure they're growing um, and, and doing what they need to do to progress at a rate that's good for them and to prepare them for whatever is after school, right? Well, and I mean, again, that's just sort of, that's a big question we get and one that I've seen pop up recently. So we felt like we wanted to open up the show with that and really start with that segment of about our attendance and our truancy system, how we do things and sort of how we are held accountable as schools and how we hold parents and students accountable. Moving into the next part, we'll talk about soft skills for success. In online education, we often emphasize soft skills that are really different than the traditional school setting. So for us, tying shoes and hallway procedures and things like that, especially in the elementary level, those aren't things we really have to worry about. We don't have to train that. We don't have to teach that. You need that in a school building to be efficient. We have some things set up for the K-5 world that we've put out to our parents, and we created a little milestone book for parents and for students. And these are just expectations and age-appropriate things that are soft skills that we expect students to do. And I'm just going to read a couple of the early elementary for like a student. If a student's in, let's say, first grade, we want them to be able to know their class schedule, to be able to understand that at class time they need to go to their dedicated learning space, get their supplies together, and log on to the computer. And hopefully by first grade they're starting to do that independently. And then we want them to be able to engage and participate in that live class with the teacher and be able to ask questions. And then we also are building computer skills for them to minimize windows and navigate to other screens while they're zooming. And all of these soft skills are things that are pretty unique to us. 
on the parent side of that, let's say for the same first grader, we want the parent follow through to be less and less supportive as they progress through tops. And so as a first grade student, we want them to check on them various times throughout each Zoom class. Just be sure everything's going good. You don't have to sit next to them the whole time, but check in with your students. Monitor, be sure that all those lessons and videos are getting watched and completed by the students. And then be nearby if your student needs assistance. So as long as you're in the area, in a, in a room close to it, next to it, then when you provide assistance, they can always come and reach out to you if they're struggling. But our goal is establishing that student independence. We want to allow students to engage in this productive struggle. We want them to work through that and learn through that. As a parent, I want you to really try to strive to provide and maintain that dedicated learning spot. If your student's learning at the kitchen table, then try to stay out of the kitchen as much as possible and, and make that a conducive learning environment where students can hear the class well, they can be heard well, and have really good interaction. So that's how it starts in the early elementary. As they progress on up through fourth and fifth grade, we really want them to have synchronous class times with them being ready and being very independent then their asynchronous times, they're going to be responsible learners who are looking at the videos and communicating to their teachers and reaching out and sending messages if they have trouble. As a parent, you're going to check in more of after the fact, and you're going to check in. I like checking in daily, but if your student gains independence and gains strength, you can even spread that out more. But you're going to check Canvas. Be sure that work's getting completed. You're going to encourage the students to independently problem solve before providing assistance to them or before having them reach out, let them work through something, then reach out to their teacher, or then you help them out. And help motivate students to take responsibility for their own learning. I really think a big thing that we try to push, especially in our elementary, is learning for that understanding so we know the material and not just for the grade. Don't just complete the things to get the check, to get the attendance mark. Really learn because this knowledge is what's going to help you down the road. And so that's our K-5 uh, milestones. I'll put a link in that in the show notes if anybody wants to see those. Just a resource we've tried to provide to families to, to make a clear-cut way of how that looks and what we want them to do. Jeremy, what's your take on the 612 soft skills and how does that look and progress through as they, as they continue on with us? Well, first off, I'd say I think your K-5 um, thing is fantastic. <laughs> I think that's a good way of looking at it. And, and we're very similar. We don't have a, an actual... Um, Plan like you guys have, but we, we kind of got, got got things separated. We've got some middle school classes. We have um, two classes called TOPS 101, 102, 103. And basically, you know, if they're first year top students, they go in TOPS 101, they're learning some of these soft skills and we're trying to help develop those, right? Whether that is time management, making a schedule, you know, how, how can you be self-disciplined, right? Trying to improve those behaviors, um, so that they are successful in this online learning environment. And, and it even goes to digital etiquette, right? Digital, digital citizenship, all those different types of things. So, um, you know, that's the middle school. So we progressively got those kind of set up. Um, eighth grade, we, we have TOPS 103. And so it's getting them ready for high school, right? Whether that's TOPS high school in an online world, but also just a public high school in general, because we also look at GPA, all those different types of things, because we have a lot of students who don't really understand how those things are calculated or what classes they can expect or how it's different than middle school, right? Um, and then once you get to high school for us, we have a freshman class that just started this year. It's called TOPS Experience which is basically kind of like those middle school classes where they're working on those soft skills, time management, because we have a lot of new freshmen that are not used to learning in an online school. So um, learning how to manage your time wisely, right? How can you make a schedule? How can you map out your week so that by the end of the week, you are ready to go and you have 
you know, all the freedom that you want. That's the whole purpose of coming to tops for the most, for most of us. Right. Um, but also self-discipline, how can I continue to, to stay focused on what I'm doing? A lot of that is the learning environment. As you talked about, it's gotta be a conducive learning environment where you don't get distracted. Maybe it's taking breaks throughout the day, right. Staying physically active. Um, so you have short kind of specific amount of time where you are actually working on things and you're able to spend quality amount of time on that. Um, and then also the, the digital etiquette of things, you know, learning about technology, kind of how Canvas operates, um, all those different things, how to write an email. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, those those things are very valuable when you're talking about online learning, especially in an asynchronous learning environment like our six to twelve is mostly asynchronous. So um, we, we try to, again, as you do, we just don't have as much of the script as you do. Um, we try to build those skills progressively. And then also, and I would mention this before, we also have um, the TOPS SOS class, um, which is basically students are enrolled in this and families before they they start at TOPS, right? So they we enroll them in this Canvas course. We talk about Canvas. We look at Canvas. So that way they're used to it before school officially begins. And then also it, they talk about online learning and then they talk about tops, right? What's different where we talk about attendance, right? Um, all those different things, the different types of assignments you may encounter and, and then what online learning really looks like. So, um, you know, we we try to build those skills and we understand, right? Especially when new students come, they're not going to be ready, right? It's just one of those things. They're not at the ultimate place they need to be in order to be successful with us. So it's going to take some time and we understand that. And we're, we're more than willing to give grace and to help as much as possible. Right. As long as they're trying, right. I think we are going to be, uh, we will help them in any way possible. If they're just not doing anything, that's a different story. But if they're putting forth the effort and they have a good attitude about it and they're wanting to do this, um, it's definitely going to help them in the long run. Yes. And I always think there's that implementation dip when you start something new. I I can see that with our new students who come in, they're not familiar with Zoom. They're not familiar with switching windows. Some of the online editing tools are difficult when you get started. After you've done that for a little bit, it becomes second nature and that's just how you do school. So then it moves very fast. Our families will, they fly through it and students, our returning students really do well with that. So there's, I see lots of times our teachers will pull new students in and spend some time working on developing these soft skills and getting the schedule and, and learning to use the tools and the others are just off on their own working. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a great, that's a great way of looking at it. Let's talk a little bit now about parental engagement across the grade bands and some ways we try to involve our parents and to make them successful. We really want tops to be a partnership. Parents, your engagement is vital to this child, to your child's success in the online and learning environment. Jeremy, how do we have them help in different grade bands? You know, so I think especially for younger students, you know, parents need to be involved in the in the daily schedule and, and help them logging in. Right. And you can chime in here for this as well. But um, I, it's vital. I mean, parent engagement, family engagement, whatever you want to say, they've got to be involved in what the student's doing. Right. Um, now, as the kids get older. Right. They, they should be a little bit more accustomed to it. Um, you know, and we say kids are great with technology. Yes. But at the same time, sometimes new technology is challenging to them, too. So um, they, still, they still need assistance, even middle school and even high school. Right. Sometimes um, helping them getting settled, logged in and ha- even helping them make a schedule. Um, you know, we'll do that as well. But again, like you said, it's a partnership. Right. We, we rely on the student and the family to do some things and, and the family and the student relies on us. Right. As well. So um, we're both 
pulling our weight. And I think we'll be, uh, most students will have, and families will be successful if, if that's the case. So, um, but as, as students get older, yeah, they're going to get used to it. They, they may not need as much support from the family or the teacher, right? Um, they, they, they're able to set their own schedule. They're able to do what they kind of, they get in a routine. Um, but the more parent parental involvement um, and engagement there are with the students, it's just the more successful those students are going to be. Yep. And even outside of just direct student engagement with their families, we also try to take input from parents of how things are going. And so talk about the structure that we've been doing the past couple of years with um, our parent meeting groups and how, how that works with our parents, where we want to, we want to have dialogue and conversation with them to, to get input and to really be sure we're making the best product possible. Yeah, we, you know, I've started, a, and we will be started, a parent advisory group, and we meet once a month typically. Last year, we didn't meet as much, but we just want to go over things, right? We want to get feedback, and, you know, an organization is only as good as everybody that's involved, right? I mean, if it's all just the students and, or sorry, if it's all just the teachers and the principal doing the work, then, um, you know, that that's not beneficial. The students and the families are the most important piece of schools, right? And so if we don't involve them in these conversations and, and getting feedback from them, right, then it, we're not going to improve uh, because you Again, the students and the families are the ones that's doing all of this, right? We want this to be a good and pleasant experience for them. So we have this parent advisory group. We meet once a month. Um, you know, we just talk about uh, it's always a check-in time. Just get the vibe of what they're feeling, how their students are doing, any issues they're coming across. You know, um, so it, it's a great time. I, I love to, I love that time. And you know, sometimes we talk about a lot of important stuff. We go over the school improvement plan as a group, so they're aware of kind of where we are and some things that we want to do. Right. So it, it's always a good to, a good time to to bounce ideas off them for them for them to bounce ideas off of us. Right. Because once again, it's a partnership. Right. We rely on them, and we want tops to be as good as it can be. And the best way to do that is to get that feedback from students and families. Yeah, trying to get all inputs in and really looking at all opinions. It's not always that everything I want the way I want it to go does because that might be what it, what's not the collective best. I think us trying to take that input from families and really hone our product to be the best possible that we can for everyone is is really our goal. Yeah, and I'll also add, you know, I didn't mention this, but, you know, we also encourage parents um, to have a Canvas Observer account, which basically allows them to see whatever their student sees in Canvas, and a PowerSchool account, which allows them to see attendance, right? So just continually checking in on those things. Um, you know, at, at the 6 to 12 school, we have on Tuesdays, we call it the midweek peak, right? which is really where you, the parents are supposed to get on and kind of look at PowerSchool, because typically our attendance is done on Tuesday. And, you know, get that done, look, get in there and look and see, okay, what's their attendance look like? Go in Canvas, make sure they're starting their work at that point, right? And then on Thursday, we call them Thursday night vibes. Um, I, I just love, you know, that, that's from Dr. Lamey. He's fantastic. Um, got some good graphics on those too. Thursday night vibes is basically just to um, check your the quality of assignments in Canvas. Go in there and make sure the things that you've submitted are, are quality, right? But, and also check the quantity. Make sure you have things turned in, right? So uh, the, the more parental involvement we have in those, um, it just makes, you know, the students' lives a lot better. Um, it makes the school lives a lot better, and it just helps tremendously. Next little part is talking about family-to-family interaction and local packs and also looking into local involvement with students, some things that we would like to see with TOPS. One of the beautiful thing about our community at TOPS is we do have a sense of unity and support is our goal. And so we want that to be 
across the board, K-12 and really us connecting. And I think it's such a unique part of our partnership even with two different school systems bringing this together and then us really bringing together for one one local local school and trying to bring that across the state even. K-5, we do a lot of encouragement. If you If we have classes with classmates and you can get out together and have activities with them, we've got some students who are athletes together and they play sports on the side and then they come and they're tops members together but in our 612 we really have started pushing the last couple years our local packs and so jeremy when you want to shed some light on what the local packs look like and the idea behind that yeah you know um the the local packs is just a way for local students and families you know we have different we have students across the entire state right so trying to get those students connected with each other because we do value that that face-to-face interaction and you know for our high school students we we require them to do community service we call it service learning 25 hours a year so but because we 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 know we don't want students to be stuck behind a computer screen all day that's not our intention we don't want that to happen at all right so um, these local packs are just ways for students and families to get together try to do something once a month and um, we rely on students and families to organize this now I, you know as a school um I, I gather information for for students and families. So you know, we have a local pack leader um, for each kind of area, maybe two pack leaders for each specific geographical region, and they just organize activities. It could be as simple as going to a museum, right, and connecting with other students and other families, right, just connecting them as much as possible, and then um, maybe you know maybe go to just jump or some kind of trampoline fun, right? Just just something fun. Yeah, just something to do, get together, try to do it once a month. We started this last year. Um, and again, it's it's not it's not been totally smooth. It's always hard because we rely on the families to kind of organize this, having a pack leader. Um, sometimes it's hard to get somebody to kind of step up and take that that mantle on. But um, but yeah, it's just fun to kind of get these students together. And I, I love to hear about um, these different activities that they that they enjoy doing. And our last little Topic here, how do we balance academics, extracurriculars, personal life? You've mentioned we want them to be involved in the local community. We want them to plug in with each other. We want a rigorous academic life. We want them not just to sit behind the screen all day. So how do we help students navigate this and what's some good strategies for that? Yeah, sure. I think the best thing, as we've said before, um, you know, we, we want this to be a holistic education. We don't want it to be just, we're not all about academics, you know, Sometimes it's best to understand tops. We've got a variety of students and some of them are very involved, whether it's in their community, you know, maybe it's a religious organization, maybe it's an athletic team um, or sport, right? Um, Sometimes they just, they come to tops because they like to work part-time, right? And they want that flexibility to work maybe during the day instead of at an evening time. So they can do that, kind of flip their, their, their lives each day. So, you know, work in the morning and do their schoolwork in the evening. So, um, you know, it is a balancing act. It, it's it's difficult, but there are plenty of support systems that we have. You know, I will say our first um, biggest support system is our teachers and our counselors, right? Just the staff of the schools. You you really need to communicate with us if you're having issues or you want to you want to do something, right? Um, just let us know and let's figure out exactly how we can make this happen because 
we want you guys to be successful. I know we we say that multiple times. I've said it already multiple times a day, right? Success. We but we really do value. Um, their students and families and, and their personal lives, right? We don't want them to just come to us and um, hate school, right? We want them to enjoy this because it provides more flexibility and freedom for them outside of the, the normal school day. We take a lot of that fluff out, you know, you know, there's no, you don't have to go to lunch for 25 minutes. You don't have to walk from class to class, right? All those different things that a typical school day requires, travel to and from school, you can do it right wherever you are. So um, whatever we do, we, we those are the two biggest things I can say as far as support system is um, teachers and then our counselors. Um, both of our counselors do a fantastic job with that. So this will wrap up our episode of Tops of the Morning. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Hope it was enlightening for you as it was for us in the discussion. Jeremy, anything else? No, hope you guys have a great week and I look forward to hearing some reviews about this, right? All right, we appreciate you. See you.